0: Struck with Clark
1: and Alyssa.
0: That's some nice singing there, Alyssa. Yeah, yeah. I felt that. That's good. Uh, yeah, are you still singing from the movie the other night? That,
1: that is the opening little flute solo.
0: Oh. The
1: opening overture of Beauty and the Beast.
0: I can already tell you're gonna be way better at this episode than
1: da-da, I am. Da-da, da-da, you like, actually
0: are memorizing the flute da-da-da. intro overtures.
1: Oh, because I grew up with this. How ah. do you not have it memorized? That's uh... and the, and when it came on screen, I was like, when when the when Beauty and the Beast the title sequence came up, and that was the soundtrack. I was like, oh, this is familiar. This is I know this. Like, mm.
0: that's good. That's good. I'm still convinced. That you really liked this movie. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I liked it. There I you said you didn't want to pick it apart. You or that you <laughs> could pick it apart, uh huh. But you weren't gonna. Yeah. And then I censored myself because I was like, okay, this person does not want to pick this apart right now.
0: Hmm. Well, we can do that a little bit in this episode mm-hmm. because this is the very special episode of Wordthruck where instead of talking about a book, we are talking about the movie Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. uh last weekend
1: 17th march 17th march
0: 17th so this is really exciting because you grew up like watching this movie Mm -hmm. and i grew up watching it every now and then you know when my sister wanted to i i would never leave the room it's a good movie uh and i was never too manly for anything really
1: this was my brother's favorite disney movie growing up
0: oh yeah Mm -hmm. Belle is just such a good princess uh, she's just such an interesting character in and of herself and she's mm-hmm. just so like, even without Beast and her interactions with Beast, she's still compelling. And you can't say that for every Disney princess.
1: My sister in law last weekend was looking at me and she's like, you know what? I I I think Belle is your, your Disney princess counterpart. Oh, yeah. And I was like, uh yeah. <laughs> like, really? I've known this for years. Really? <laughs> are you just now figuring this out?
0: <laughs> like, uh, come on. The, the bookworm? How would that not be you?
1: And and she's she values it's more than bookworm though. She values knowledge and she values mm. independence and she values adventure and and yeah, books are a big thing, but my brother in response to that was like, uh yeah, and her nose stuck in a book. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, Thank you. <laughs> That's, I mean, I I fit that characterization, but (laughs) I also, I love her, her defense of her father and her, uh, her defense of the beast, her defense of, of, of people who the world criticizes. And she, she sees through that. Yeah. In several. In several iterations, not just with the beast, of these people have value and don't tear them down because they look different or because they behave differently. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. And she's also able to resist. She doesn't give in to them to like the temptation of settling Mm -hmm. into just a marriage with the guy who, you know, plenty of plenty of girls would be so happy to be with Gaston. But she's just, yeah,
1: she's going to wait it out. She's like, eh. Well, someone good will come along, I guess. Mm -hmm. And if Mm -hmm. not, I won't have settled for something worse.
0: Yeah, totally. So I will say before we get too far in, uh, there are going to be spoilers. So many spoilers. So consider this kind of the spoiler horn. If you haven't watched the movie yet, I mean... It's worth it. It's it's very, very worth it. Yeah, definitely go see it. It's it's far from a perfect movie, but... um, it's definitely worth seeing. I think it's worth seeing in theaters, even. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely, I would not recommend the IMAX.
0: Yeah, the IMAX 3D was a little much.
1: That was too much. Yeah. I would almost not recommend 3D. But
0: I would never recommend 3D. Yeah,
1: that's just.
0: But I liked the uh, big screen and the.
1: They they had a couple of cheap 3D like mm-hmm. pop out at you effects, yeah. and I was like, really? I thought we had graduated from that. Never. I thought like. Never the The day that they like stop doing the the, you know. Party little <laughs> kazoo thing. yeah yeah and it pops yeah, out the party you with the balls yeah flying at yeah it's like
0: really no you just that's never gonna that's never gonna go away for a three D movie, but uh I guess and it's, I, I
1: guess that's just it's because it was G if it weren't G they wouldn't do that I don't think yeah.
0: But let's, uh, let's add a little structure to this party, I suppose. Uh, so kind of a, a broad overview. Uh, what, what were they trying to accomplish with this movie? From what you like, read or, or even from, from just watching the movie, what do you think they were trying to accomplish in, in relation to the original movie? Did it feel like they were trying to improve it? Or do you feel like any of the trade-offs that they made were because it's, it's uh, live action?
1: I think in a lot of ways they wanted to they they were reveling in the nostalgia. They wanted to revive what was clearly mm-hmm. because they I, I there were some things that were shot for shot mm-hmm. the same as the the classic cartoon. And everything that they added was backstory mm-hmm. which so I think that they were trying to improve on on a cartoon that was much beloved but not depart too much from it not they they still wanted to be identifiable as a remake of this thing that you know Mm -hmm. um and i know that i've mentioned this several times talking about it but disney's had a lot of live action adaptations and in in that vein i would say this is not the best live action adaptation and that cinderella absolutely was because the the what was that 2013 mm-hmm. Cinderella yeah. um because they they d- just cut loose the musical numbers and they they gave her realistic songs to sing to herself and Beauty and the Beast did not do that. They made it a movie musical and they added songs.
0: Yeah, a lot of songs. A lot of
1: songs. Yeah. And I I personally think that 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 was Uh, not a great choice but um i also go to a i i I would prefer going to a live action remake and seeing greater depth of character and and in a cartoon you suspend a lot of disbelief Mm. like so much so much of beauty and the beast you forgive because you feel like it's cartoon and and it's it's already fantastic and you can forgive so much. And in a live-action telling, it's so much closer to reality just because there are faces that are familiar and there are faces that are not distorted by, by you know, giant tiny waists mm-hmm. and hair that is always together somehow. <laughs> and it automatically feels closer to home and more human. And so then I hope for a greater understanding of the human characteristics and the, and the humanity underneath those characters. And I think in adding songs, they didn't necessarily get to some of that depth of character and that reasoning and that logic that I look for in a live action remake. But
0: yeah. And one thing that I was a bit concerned about going into it is just pacing uh, and trying to figure out, okay, how do you be as true as possible to the original movie, yet also add some backstory, and and in in the case of this movie, we learned a lot about Belle's mother, mm-hmm. which I don't remember from the cartoon.
1: No, there was none. I I think there's reference to her mother's dead. I think yeah. that's
0: it. But in this, it was used as a somewhat important plot point, to where it's like there was a whole scene where they went back, and and discovered the cause of it, and and it turns out that her relationship with her father was in a lot of ways impaired. Because of this, that that's part of why he was so protective, part of why he was so unwilling to just let her wander off to Paris, and he always kept her close. And, and part of that was because she felt like she needed to take care of him. But she felt like she needed to take care of him because of how broken he was because of what happened to his wife. So it's kind of this, we learn the character motivations of more people. And there were more musical numbers and everything's live action so they kind of need to show their math a little bit more i i don't know if that makes any sense but um i found that they used their time pretty well Uh, it was just very difficult because like like take for example the scene be our guest
1: yeah that was a hard scene for me because that there were there were moments that like there were like pyramids of plates and stuff and mm -hmm. i was i was trying to figure out like where are you like that? It would, it was the same. Mm -hmm. They would, they did this in the cartoon and it was like, they were on stage and you, and and you're no longer in the dining room. And they did this in the live action telling as well. And I was like, I don't, I don't buy that. They're physically transported. And I, and I don't buy that. That's how she's seeing it. And I don't,
0: we were pretty much led to believe that uh, there, there were two things happening that they were trying to cut between what was happening on the table in front of her and what was happening in the household as a whole. Mm-hmm. And and that's part of what they were doing when I was talking about kind of cutting in between and doing these perspectives and angles and trying to do stuff without humans is they were trying to show the behind the scenes of how the dinner was being prepared and you know the pots were going and burning and the, the whole thing was going on in the kitchen, dishes were being washed, but they would keep cutting back to the table and they would do these transitions on the table and they would have kind of these motifs on the table and this is what she actually said. Saw. and that's where lumineer luminaire
1: lumiere
0: I'm, lumiere i'm always you gonna get so that
1: want them to be a band i do i so want <laughs> them
0: to be the lumineers uh because i i could listen to that a lot uh so oh lumiere my
1: gosh. i want i want be our guest sung mm. by the lumineers <laughs> yes
0: <laughs> they would do such a slow like chilled out version it'd uh,
1: be so interesting i want that <laughs>
0: there would be stomping and clapping and it might be really
1: good. Yeah, I I would <laughs> I would buy that. I would yeah. pay 129 for that in a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah,
0: but it so so that scene kind of failed that I could see what they were trying to do with the two separate two separate spaces. Um but it was just jarring.
1: Well, uh, uh, but this was a third space on top of that because mm. there was the like the kitchen, the very yeah. real rooted in the kitchen on the table and then there would be like the extravagant show that lumiere's putting on yeah and kind of above that. and it was like spotlit, and and it was like a stage production and they do this in the cartoon as well but uh, it was just harder to forgive mm-hmm. because it it created this other third space that didn't seem anchored to the ground yeah and it it yeah it it barely works in the cartoon i would say but it works because it's a cartoon and it it i struggled with it in the live action
0: yeah so i do want to talk about i don't want to focus mostly i I don't want to focus on the negatives of course it's easier to talk about the differences and stuff but i would like to highlight a little bit how um how humans interacted with the cgi and with the motion capture around them uh i for one from a positive note i thought bell's interactions with beast were very natural feeling in my mind. It felt like they both inhabited space. It feels like when she was looking at him and talking to him, it felt real. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's just the way they shot it or if it's if it speaks to her talent as an actress or maybe they just really did have like a motion capture big guy that she felt comfortable with. So it's like she was talking to a person, he was just mocap and
1: i think i think that was the technology where where i mean it was dan Stevens she was up against and they had him in one of those oh he was
0: in the mocap gear yeah really i
1: I think that's how they did it i thought maybe they would
0: use like a bigger guy so the points would be more accurate
1: and they maybe like put him on a box or something to to give him the height but the the faces Hmm. his expressions were the expressions that they cool that they captured and used and smog style that's great yeah um is it smog? No, it's Smeagol.
0: Both. Benedict Cumberbatch also did mocap for Smog.
1: Really? I had no idea. Yeah. Um, A
0: little bit. Mostly he did voice acting, but there were times where they would try to capture his his movements, and you can see him kind of, like, crawling, and you're just like, this is weird. Weird. <laughs> but yeah, Smeagol and Andy Serkis, of course, were, you know...
1: One and the same. Yeah. yeah.
0: And he's very well known for his motion capture. But they had just, like, an actor doing the motion capture. Huh.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, a lot of that, I, I, I don't think all of it, but I think all of his scenes with Bell and his interactions with people, those were, anytime you saw his face, that was him. Cool. Um, Which makes, like, the, the added scenes of, I, I think my favorite added scene with him was him and Belle talking about uh, guinevere and lancelot and talking about books and oh i wish
0: that scene could have lasted so
1: much longer i was what i wanted i would have loved that i wanted a second scene mm-hmm. i wanted another one to build on not just here's one good afternoon but here's the endurance of this relationship here's another afternoon that or another dinner of an actual conversation like mm-hmm. in something there it was almost shot for shot what it what it was like mm-hmm. for them and and I don't have a huge problem with that but i i do they had this added element to the story of its winter at the castle, even though it's summer elsewhere mm-hmm. and so there's actually they actually shortened the perceived timeline mm. in the live action from what it felt like in cartoon in the cartoon it it feels like Belle comes to the castle in autumn and winter happens and she's there for months yeah yeah and so an attraction makes sense to build over that time and Mm. and by adding this magical element of winter is at the castle
0: just perpetually yeah
1: it or or winter is is coming because you're losing petals and like it's just the the castle's deteriorating and it's and it's a death yeah like either way it's still summer like it's it's not a lot of time has passed yeah and so they actually truncated that in a way that i think did a disservice to the the reality of their relationship but
0: yeah and that's kind of yeah there's a lot to that too And, and part of the timeline with her father and how long it took him to get back and how he even got back without the horse and little things like that, where it's like, okay, how long did it realistically take her dad to get back? And then how long did it take for him to convince people? think he was crazy. Go out with Gaston, that whole thing. It just felt like it was really short, but that's kind of, we'll, we'll talk more about that. Um, I guess. So, so to finish up with um, people interacting with CGI, did you feel like that worked with the beast as well, or was that just me?
1: I thought it worked with the beast. Um, I struggled a lot more when there. There are a lot of. Be our guest was really hard to watch.
0: Yeah. Emma yeah. Watson
1: react to that, and it's like she has no idea what's going on. People are no. maybe describing it, but like, she had these kind of gentle giggling reactions.
0: But they were very mild. <laughs> yeah, and I was. Yeah. Just,
1: it, it It would feel. Oftentimes, like I like, I'm not even sure how you have a gentle giggle in you in this traumatizing experience. Yeah, like it wasn't necessarily an unnatural reaction to what is immediately happening, but in, it didn't have the same weight of you are a person in a in a, in captivity, and and there should be an edge to whatever joy you find.
0: Yeah. And I feel like that could have her being unhappy and being trapped by the Beast. And and really, I don't think the Beast was nearly as mean to her in the live action as he was to her in the cartoon. Maybe it's just because I was younger when I watched the cartoon. So I'm like, wow, this guy actually is scary. But to me, the Beast was very rarely scary.
1: I think he grabs her a lot in the cartoon. And I don't think he grabbed her near as much and throws her about in the cartoon and doesn't... I don't think he touches I don't think he lays a hand on her
0: no and the, and the tantrum that he has when she won't leave her room was pretty mild mm-hmm. uh, like he just pounded on the door harder and then when he was upset it was mostly him just complaining to people in the bath while he was in the bath
1: and um, the I think in the cartoon it's sort of similarly to how um, the Dursleys talk about food in the book <laughs> versus in the movie Yeah, like in the book it's the, the extremeness of it feels somewhat fantastical because of its surroundings. And in the cartoon, him talking about if, if she doesn't eat with me, she doesn't eat at all. Like it kind of doesn't really sound like it has the same weight in the cartoon. Whereas I yeah. think the reality of that in a live action of like, oh, like,
0: like he will starve her.
1: Like that is that is starvation yeah. that he is talking about. And and the same with the book to the movie in Harry Potter. Of, of that like they had to almost make it more realistic by milding it <laughs> like in in the movie because the reality of not feeding a kid for weeks is he dies <laughs> yeah
0: yeah and and for the beast to suggest that is essentially yeah
1: yeah very I'm condemning thrilling. you to death in a gorgeous room
0: wow that's very poetic <laughs> so what do uh what do you think really Worked well, or like what were, I guess specifically like, what worked because it was live action, that maybe they couldn't have done in a cartoon. Was there anything?
1: Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, I think, I think the costuming was spectacular, and I think completely yeah, like it was great. You see incredible costuming and in sets in a cartoon, and it it feels. It feels like a fairy tale, whereas this felt like it was rooted in a real place. It was rooted in a real time in France, and that was really cool to me. This, mm-hmm. this, like based on the style of dress, it wasn't, it wasn't varied. It wasn't. I, I know in the live action Cinderella, they did like widely varying ball gowns to sort of capture this like, this like, placelessness. Essentially, yeah. they wanted a broad understanding of where they are and not really to tie it to a place, whereas this was very firmly tied. Yeah. to
0: an old French village.
1: <laughs> yeah, I yeah. mean, 1700 France. Yeah. And that, like, Marie Antoinette, like, crazy wigs and all that business. And the white makeup
0: on Worked everything. so
1: yeah. well for the cultural understanding, for pointing out how weird Belle is, all of it. I thought. Um, also, what what worked well specifically because it was live action—that was your question. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: I I would agree real quick that just the place, in general, the fact that we could see the village, and then the the camera would pan, and we would see these beautiful rolling hills, and we would see the woods, and we would see how this big castle, with the help of a little mysticism, I'm I'm sure, could be obscured. It, it's off of a different path. It's. It took a tree falling for him to really even see the path. And I'm sure magic played a role in that too. And and the fact that you look down that path and you're like, yeah, there's some wolves down there. There's some like real, I guess I just bought it. And the fact that they went back into the forest and he was kind of unable to figure out where it was. It's like, okay, this explains how it might take a month or two to not only convince people that this is a real thing, but to mobilize them and to figure out what's going on. And I feel like their their use of space and their use of setting convinced me pretty well. Like, oh, I get it. Yeah, so I guess I just I just like how they approached space, and I bought it, and and I just loved the setting. It felt like a real place, and I don't know. It just made sense. I thought it was good. They didn't do that in the cartoon, and I don't know how they could have.
1: It's, I mean... I think they tried to double down on what they did in the cartoon, which at the time, Beauty and the Beast was the most visually stunning cartoon ever to have been created. The Beauty and the Beast dance scene in the ballroom was so beautiful and so stunning. And it was computer generated the set and it was gorgeous. And they tried to double down on that. And I think they succeeded by also like, I was looking at that castle and trying to imagine like who even builds a castle that this I mean, it looks like something out of a fairy tale and imagining something actually existing in France like that is so like it communicated to me the, the wealth and the um, I guess greed and the fascination with ornate Items and mm-hmm. and and the ornate life that is so of that time in of the nobility in France and I, and this is this is pre-revolution France and so there's a real struggle with the with the extravagance of the nobility versus yeah. the poverty of the peasants. The
0: wealth gap is just enormous. Yeah, and the bourgeois just hasn't found its place. And yet.
1: it's so absurd with all of the sculptures and the. Gold on the walls and I mean it's it's Versailles level insane. Yeah. And And the gold on
0: the ceiling that was draping that that they pulled down to add those ornaments to her dress, which was so annoying in three D. Not gonna lie. It
1: did not work in three D. I hated
0: everything about that in three D. (laughs) But when they did pull from the gold ornaments to put it on her dress, which again, they could have done that in the cartoon, but I think it worked really well in live action because just I don't know, seeing it go under her dress I'm like, that's pretty. And that is, man, I love that dress. Sorry, it was gorgeous. It's it a great, fantastic thing.
1: It was, it was absolutely gorgeous, and I loved. I, I think all of Belle's costumes rooted her in reality mm-hmm. a lot better than could ever be done in a cartoon. Like there's, I mean Emma Watson's been interviewed and and spoken specifically about Belle's shoes and how she's not in any kind of dainty flat or. Nothing dainty at all. These are legit work boots. Yeah. Because she's a worker. Yeah. Yeah. And like when she goes after her father, she puts on her boots. And when she goes to get Maurice and then has to go back to the castle because they're storming the castle, she's in her boots. And she has like she's in her boots in the petticoat of her ball gown. And so it's like there's a discrepancy there of, of this fine like under thing. And also like she's, I mean, it, it doesn't matter what she's wearing. She's got to get somewhere practically. And I love that about her
0: because she's bell first and, and any sort of princess way last, Mm -hmm. way last in her priorities because she's not. And, and the fact that she's considered a princess, I mean, that's only because it's assumed she eventually marries nobility. I mean, she's not noble and, and, She's not even really <laughs> like if if an actual princess had gone to the castle to be with Beast, it probably would have looked a lot different, and she probably would have had much higher standards for how he behaved and stuff like that. Like part of Belle's appeal as a princess is she's not princess like in the traditional sense.
1: I think also if an actual princess had gone to the castle, she wouldn't have tolerated the cruelty of the Beast. Hmm. I I think um there's there's a standard of of rapport for the nobility and he did not live by it and yeah and so i think it i think it took someone like bell who has dealt with the beast of gaston and the beast of society mm-hmm. to have any time of day for this person who this creature who has a place in his heart for books which, and a place in his heart for knowledge and for understanding the world because he too is trapped he can't go anywhere else yeah and and so they have this this strange connection even though so much of their lives are different
0: now please remind me in the cartoon does she does she talk about books as as literal escapism quite as much as she does in the movie in the movie, she's talking about where shall we go today? Or like, oh, I just went to this place. And she talks about it very...
1: Daring sword fights a prince in disguise. Yeah.
0: <laughs> like, the escapism is is very, very obvious in the movie. And I forget if it was like that in the cartoon. Um... I
1: don't think it's as clear. Hmm. I think she, she she sings about the plot of her book. And she talks about the plot of this book that's her favorite. Mm-hmm um and she clearly would rather reread a book that she loves than mm. talk to any of the people in her community. Yeah. And they clearly would rather point and laugh at her than talk to her. So I I don't think I don't think it's as overt, but hmm. but it is there. The seeds are there.
0: Okay. Uh so what are some things that you feel hmm what are some things that the cartoon did better if we're going to go to not the not the negative side of things but just kind of perspective wise like what are some things that were lost in translation um
1: i think um and i don't know if this was this was a a a note from the director or if this was because they cast actors and not musical theater people Hmm. um I think particularly in crowd songs, and chorus songs, the looks on people's faces, the intensity was not the same. There, there was a studio recording of mm. the music, and you have activity and excitement and, and intensity and all of this, and looks on people's faces were almost bored.
0: Yeah, I've, I definitely think there was a clash between, we want this to be a very good-selling soundtrack... And we want kids to buy this and urge their parents to buy this. And we want that to be the same music that they hear in the movie is what they want to hear on the CD. But what makes for a good audio track doesn't necessarily make for a good visual track. And I think if we were to have all these villagers being so excited and so everything, it might not have it it might have felt bad in a different kind of way but you're right that it led to this weird clash of of happy excitement active sounding music but just totally bored looking people and that's that also didn't feel right it
1: I I would argue that I, I don't think it was a choice for the soundtrack I think the soundtrack was great I don't have any problem with it and I think that the 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 story that is told through the music makes sense like the the Dynamics and the like, staccato versus legato, and Mm -hmm. all all of all of the musical elements tell the story well. Mm -hmm. The problem is you need actors who understand how to physically show that the same way.
0: So you don't think it was the director? See, I'm I'm. I I tend to believe that it was more the director saying like, look more bored. Uh, which was a mistake on his part.
1: I don't. I don't. I. I bet bored was not the. Uh, well, I. I yeah. think. I think with Emma Watson, I think she does not know how to emote, hmm. and act, or er, er, emote and sing at the same time. I think that when you're an when you're an actor first and a singer second, and you're clearly like. Hmm.
0: Uh,
1: there, there was I think some some, auto tuning and cleanup going on as well. Yeah. There. Yeah. Um. There's definitely like,
0: a lot of post work on yeah. the on the vocals
1: I, I I think that that is a really nerve-wracking thing as an actor when you're not a trained musical performer mm. and it can show because it, it it creates a, a stiffness and it creates yeah. a, this um self-consciousness that you wouldn't have the minute the music stops yeah yeah and and I mean she was incredible, I think in every every just spoken acted and even silent moment she reacted to the world around her so naturally and so well and mm. so like Belle but I just remember specifically um the when after Gaston proposes to her and then she has her outburst of Madame Gaston can <laughs> yeah. you just see it and that is such a an irritated song she is so like that is the final straw yeah of i am leaving this town i am going up to a hillside and and like i am seeking actual escapism of leaving this place yeah because yeah. it is so wrong for me and i'm so irritated by people telling me how i should be living my life and instead like i, I think she was probably directed to have some contempt and some like sort of subtle disgust and it's just like i don't it's too repressed hmm. because the music demands more yeah yeah and Definitely. and and so that that's why i i i mean personally i i think that the cartoon did facial expressions and did just interpretation of the music so much more naturally mm-hmm. and and that that's why i think that they they should have just cut and rung cut and run on the music and <laughs> yeah. tell the story that's yeah. it you don't you don't need musical numbers hmm. it's a strong enough story without it
0: yeah uh so
1: who who was the perfect cast
0: who was the perfect cast
1: who was the best cast of the rest
0: <sighs> cogsworth
1: Mm. Yeah, Ian McKellen was fantastic.
0: I'm such a sucker for Ian McKellen. I I just can't even. He just has such a good voice and such. He's just so very uh, personable. And I definitely liked Miss Cogsworth. I also liked what they did with, with Cogsworth and, and Lumiere in general. Mm-hmm. Ewan McGregor, the, th- the thing is Lumiere is, is an inherently annoying character mm-hmm. and always has been, and that's part of the charm. And I feel like Ewan McGregor brought that to the character where you're like, I like you. You're too much. <laughs> but I like you. But, like, take it down uh but for perfect cast I don't know I feel like I'm I'm biased and I just want to say bell but but part of that honestly I I feel it's a bias because it's just like she's enjoyable she's just pleasant to to look at and and to watch she's just so easy on the the eyes and ears and it's just like I don't know uh so bell is very good really the beast is fantastic though uh the whole time (sighs) okay the voice of the beast in my mind was the perfect cast not not the beast himself i mean no offense to dan stevens but I, i feel like the voice of the beast was very good And very convincing. So I'd say either that or or Bell, but really Ian McKellen, if I'm being honest. Those are kind of the three that I go between. But every time the Beast talked, I'm like, yeah, that's a voice. And that is maybe, I mean, maybe they did a lot in post. Maybe it wasn't as much to do with the voice actor. But man, I really liked it.
1: I really, that's interesting to me because I'll agree with you there. I think Dan Stevens did really well when he was the Beast, Anytime it was Dan Stevens mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: playing the prince, I, and I don't know if this was direction too, I had a really hard time buying him. And I also had a really hard time buying him at the end.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: It was, it was just a little too cheesy for and me. Like, and I didn't really believe that he had changed much just based on like his mannerisms. And I don't know. It was, I, I wanted, I think again that that uh, actual. I wanted to hear him talk. I wanted to hear more from him, and actually, I, I wanted more than the, the yeah. shot for shot. I'm looking. I see your eye. It's it's the same creature. Oh yeah. my gosh, Annie's pretty. Now I'm gonna kiss him.
0: He was he was very doe-eyed, <laughs> very deer in the headlights. Very what? Like, Which is
1: very much like the cartoon. Yeah, like yeah. it. It was. It, and I, I think that they married that scene too closely mm. to the original. I I think I needed. I don't know. I I I don't know what I needed, but I I and I I think uh, probably it was the direction because yeah. there was something about his movements that mm-hmm. was just too. almost Jack Sparrow <laughs> yeah. in the fluidity. <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I needed to see some sort of transition where he would still be tensed up as as the beast would be. I, I needed him to... I needed to see that moment where when he becomes a human, it's he's not just loosey-goosey right away. He's still hunched. He's still perhaps tense. And then I wanted to see kind of this moment as he kind of realized what was happening and maybe reach out his arm and just kind of you see the tension dropping and you see him becoming more human and his posture changing a reaction i i would have benefited from that shot uh but this does kind of lead me to an interesting aside that I, I talked to you about after the movie but i'd like to get into a little bit here um the whole scene where the furniture it, it everybody was gradually becoming more locked into their state
1: mm-hmm.
0: which i think was hinted at in the cartoon but but the movie took it much further
1: i think um i, I talked with my roommate about this and
0: i really should have watched the cartoon more recently i <laughs> don't so i
1: don't think they they i don't think becoming in a, inanimate objects is a part of the curse in the cartoon. No,
0: I think it's just you'll stay in that form forever. You're, you're
1: stuck this way.
0: But not that you'll just
1: become. So yeah, and that's yeah. actually um, uh, for for Lumiere's fervor to mm. to you know marry the Beast off to anyone. It doesn't matter like that. That it makes I sense. understand the the fire that drives him there, and it's I don't want to be an inanimate candlestick.
0: Yep. Yeah. And I totally bought that. And I loved that as a motivator. And I felt like it was just really effective. And and the whole time I'm like, this seems... To, to a child, this seems more traumatizing. Mm-hmm. Certainly. Because watching the cartoon, yeah, you'll be like this forever. But you're okay. Like, you're okay. You, you still know? have your community. Yeah, you have your community, your friends, whatever. Like, this, there are worse lives than this. But in the cartoon, to see even just that their joints were getting arthritic. and And, and that they were... And and that we saw these moments where they had to say goodbye to each other. It was really a lot to handle, and it was it was enough for me as an adult, but as a child, I'd be like, "What? Like, what do you mean? Like, it, it'd be just it. It was very effective. Uh, so I definitely liked that adaptation. I th- I think that it added a more, definitely a lot more tension and a lot more like you said understanding of why everybody's a bit more rushed about this whole thing. Uh, But in that moment, so this is getting towards the very end of the movie where everybody, the curse is broken. The uh, enchantress decides, okay, well, I know I said when the last one falls, but like you're pretty close. So I guess I'll just call it like uh,
1: love is love. love It's just a little late. (laughs)
0: Whatever. You know, you were within like 15 minutes. There's got to be some kind of grace period. So uh, everybody changes back to human form. And the very first time that we see all of these characters speak, we don't actually see them speak. We see it shot from behind or the little boy is actually like running behind something real quick chip. You don't actually see his mouth making the words as he says something. And, and the way that they temper us into being like, OK, that voice that you've heard for this teapot, this person is about to make those same noises with their mouth. Are you ready for that? And, and it kind of tempers you into it where it's like the first time you hear the teapot speak, the first time you hear the Lumiere speak, the first time you hear Cogsworth speak, you don't actually see the physical actor doing it. They shoot it from such a way that you don't have to confront that right away. You get to settle into the idea that that, that person is that character. And I feel like that was done specifically for children, so as not to just traumatize them too quickly and to confuse them too quickly.
1: I think it was... I, I I'm not sure it was even... I wouldn't say it was four children. I think that it's a way to not abruptly – and, like, and now we have a person. And yep. that voice is vaguely familiar. It's – it's. I think it's just smart storytelling of that's a really tough transition to show. Mm-hmm. And rather than having the same – like, the beast at least – has limbs and a face. Yeah. But to see, like, arms shooting out of a cup, like, <laughs> that's... Yeah, that's true. That's legitimately traumatizing. Yeah. And and there are just so many voices that we became familiar with throughout the show. But that, that it might be kind of hard to keep them all straight. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I think it was just a, a really clean way of introducing this human is the person who's been making this voice. Because you mm-hmm. and I were talking the whole time through like, who is Plumet? Who is that voice? Yeah,
0: we just could not place it. I thought maybe it was Estelle because she does voice acting and she is, that's that's very much a similar timbre to what Estelle is capable of. I was also thinking it could be, I don't know, I had a few people just kind of rotating through my head. It could be uh, Janelle Monet,
1: mm-hmm.
0: who I've heard some people say would make a great doctor and I, i'm yeah she would yeah yeah <laughs> janelle monet is the doctor like she's really got that for
1: girl. all you non Huvians out there we're not saying she needs a medical degree <laughs> yeah
0: she does not need a phd uh, it's more she she has the whimsy and the charm and the wit
1: she could be a ma- madman with a box <laughs>
0: absolutely and i think if if there were to be a female doctor she would be a very uh thriving candidate uh so I thought maybe it was her, uh, because she can put on a, a sultry, flirty tone. She's very capable. Uh so I was kinda of between her and Estelle and maybe maybe some model that's trying to break out as an actress as well. But instead of as an actress, I don't I, I feel like we're really missing out. I feel like she is probably a really big deal in the UK and I just have no idea.
1: Yeah, what's her name?
0: Uh trying to look it up. She's not even on the first page of Oh, there we go. Oh. All right, here we go. So Plumet is... Oh, boy. <laughs> Gugu Bathara. I have no idea how to pronounce that. I'm so sorry. She's from England. Um,
1: huh. Oh, yeah. She's in Jupiter.
0: sending. Okay.
1: I've seen a lot of these.
0: Okay. So she is established. I just could not her and then during her reveal I feel like they spent extra long just hovering on her as an actress and I'm just like okay I should be getting something here but I'm not anyway
1: <laughs> yeah she's she's one of those people that uh, the way that they showed her and I think part of it was we she was one of the only w- one of the only servants who we didn't see before before the curse, yeah, and so like it felt like a big reveal. Reveal because of that, I think. The only, the other people were Lumiere and Cogsworth and well, Mrs. And Potts. Mrs. Potts. And all three of those were big names. <laughs> well, like, and we
0: did see Madame Gaudreau. That yeah. the. um she was the singer in the beginning and yeah. then playing the piano for her was of course the uh,
1: yeah so like it almost yeah. felt like they made less of a deal out of those two revealing because we'd already seen them
0: yeah exactly but
1: those other four mrs potts lumiere mm-hmm. cogsworth and plumette are all people who we had gotten to know very well Mm-hmm. throughout mm-hmm. the film and we hadn't seen them yet as people yeah. and so I had I had not placed I was not I wasn't even thinking about who is Cogsworth it was just a good Cogsworth voice and I was buying it and then when I saw Ian McKellen I was like oh that's who that is <laughs>
0: it's been Ian McKellen the whole. <laughs> oh, time oh my
1: gosh <laughs> and like I sort of forgot that Lumiere was was Ewan McGregor and yeah. I was not concerned about who Mrs. Potts was and, and, but then, so those were all sort of delightful surprises of like, Oh, like I know all these people. So yeah, that's why yeah. that's probably also why I expected Plumet to be someone recognizable.
0: Yeah. Because they just put, yeah.
1: But yeah, her like ballet dancer, like even her role as like clearly the, the performer, mm-hmm, She mm-hmm. she's a ballet dancer. Yeah, Like, that felt like it should be someone like, I don't know, Maya or, or like someone with a performance background. And I mean, she's, she's, she was in the movie beyond the lights, which is Mm. a a singer. It's, it's about a singer and and a bodyguard. So, so it's like, she has played that sort of role, but Mm. it's, it felt more like something that should be some sort of like R and B star.
0: Yeah, totally. And that's why I was thinking Janelle, Monet, yeah. Estelle. Uh, so casting choices. you, What's yours? Who do you think was the perfect cast? Josh Gad. Josh Gad? Hands down. His scenes did not work for me. Oh, they he did was, not. I'll agree he was a very good cast. He, was, he very... was the
1: best LeFou. I think that he balanced Gaston really well. Mm-hmm. Um, Luke Evans did a fine job with Gaston, and I think they did some interesting planted some interesting little seeds of why Gaston is the way that he is. Yeah, He's sort of, yeah. of of the generation of I've lived a war and felt the purpose of war. And then I came home and I am not interested in this life here. Yeah. I am interested in the chase. I'm interested in the hunt. I'm interested in war.
0: Which is again, an angle that I was not used to with Gaston, but I felt like it was very effective. It was so fitting. Yeah.
1: And then to see LeFou, and and I I just thought every I thought he brought a humanity to to Lufu. I never quite understood Lufu in the cartoon. Yeah. Why why is the sidekick just so starry eyed over this dude who's a terrible human being? And
0: why does Gaston tolerate him? Because he he's less far just far less likable in the cartoon.
1: He's far less likable, but I think Gaston um he likes his ego being stroked, and no one is. No one is better at that than lufu, yeah, yeah um I think I don't understand why lufu he's 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 kind of a bottom feeder with Gaston in the cartoon mm-hmm. he's he's gonna write his coattails and I like how I like the direction that they gave him in the film of he's he's enamored with him he's drawn to him and he He's gay. He likes him.
0: Yeah, he's he's actually attracted yeah. to him. Yeah.
1: But then on top of that, he has a humanity to him. Like, he he tries to humanize Gaston. He mm-hmm. tries to pull him back. He tries to ask the question of, are you sure you want to leave this guy to the wolves? Are yeah. you sure? Like, he, he asks the questions that the audience feels. And so, in some ways, he feels like the conduit for the audience. Mm-hmm. And... I think that he does those in really logical compelling ways.
0: In and in ways that it makes it so we understand how Gaston is the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Because really there are ways if they hadn't had those little second thoughts where it's if, if he was just like compulsively just in this moment of anger tied him up it, it'd be one thing, but because we had uh LeFou asking these questions and and taking time to be like what are you thinking about? Why are we doing this? And hearing Gaston's like explanations and stuff like that, we saw, oh, Gaston really is like selfish and, and really is willing to do things that are.
1: And he, he's rotten to the core. Often, yeah, often if yeah. you have someone who's doing a morally corrupt thing, if you challenge them on it, they'll back down. And Ga- Gaston exactly. is exactly. is the the blindly morally corrupt of I'm going to go after this thing and I am right. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and you see, e- even even his own sidekick doesn't quite buy it. He won't stop him, but he doesn't buy it.
0: Yeah. So yeah, yeah definitely Lefou. 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 Very good cast. I can't even imagine if not Josh Gad, then who. It, and I think Josh Gad was one of the initial castings that they released mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because they just knew. like He's perfect. He's perfect. I, I, yeah.
1: I'm I terrible at actors in general of mm-hmm. keeping names, so mm-hmm. I have no alternative. I think that he's great. I think that he brought a humanity to the character that I have never seen before and never ima- imagined, and I'm so grateful. And I'm grateful for what they did for, for his character too. Mm. They gave him a depth, and they gave him a happy ending as well. Which I don't think we ever see Lufu again in the cartoon. No, I think he we just really goes care. down with Gaston and, and and is defeated. Yeah. And so we get to see even though you've fallen with the community tyrant, you're not doomed to the same death as the tyrant. You can mm-hmm. see you can see something better and choose something better. Yeah. So I like that, too. And I feel
0: like we almost got to see society's interaction with Gaston when they were questioning him about Maurice. I feel like they were able to see... I feel like the the city will accept LeFou back, even though he did lie to them, even though he took Gaston's side. Because I think that they understood the power dynamic and I think they saw a little bit of the situation. Maybe that's reading a lot into them, but...
1: I think that I think that's giving the the community that Bell ran away from because they're closed minded a lot of credit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that they're gonna hold whatever they can against anyone. Yeah. But he did get a happy <laughs> Hopefully when the curse is lifted, some of that judgment goes away. Yeah. Because I, I think that's part of the problem of there are people in that town who have lost whole parts of their lives and mm. they don't even know it. Yeah.
0: And there's just some memory charms at work for sure. When
1: you lose your spouse and you don't know that you've lost this person who's you've you've become whole with, mm. you probably become cruel and don't even know.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think that 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 tracks. But
0: and it took just a whole generation removed. It it took Bell being younger and not having come up in that necessarily to, for that to work.
1: Well, they um, were transplants. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But she was also like a generation younger and a transplant, so she didn't have that same, yeah, that same weird history. Mm-hmm. Uh, any other perfect casting?
1: I mean that that's my number one. Um, I think. Uh, Emma Thompson did really well as Mrs. Potts too. I think Mrs. Potts, um, her her the character choice that they gave her of of we we made the beast, mm-hmm. we are held accountable, and if we are cursed, I liked that. Yeah, we're stuck this way, but you know what? We deserve it. Yeah. Um, I think the delivery of that line was really. Really well done. Yeah, uh, the the shame and regret that she feels was so evident, and it explained, um, you know, L- Lumiere is willing to do anything to get his humanity back, and Mrs. Potts, who has a son who's gonna become a teacup. And she doesn't fight with the same fierceness, mm. and I think that it's that shame that prevents her. And she mm. she looks at her own son and she thinks, "I can't model, you know, getting getting my humanity back at all costs when I don't I I don't deserve it." Yeah, and that that's maybe um, I, an unfair judgment on herself, but I understand it. And and so I think that there was a richness to that character that wasn't there before.
0: Mm. And we see the first glimpse of it when she Mm -hmm. comes into the room after Belle refuses to go to dinner. And and she goes in and she sees that Belle has tied together all of these gowns and dresses. And she's trying to form a rope down. uh, And she doesn't fight it. She just says, it's a long way down.
1: And I totally thought that that was a tactic in that scene. I -hmm. thought that, okay. Okay, you're going to reverse psychology this.
0: Exactly, like go for it. See but, how that works. Yeah. But yeah, no, I feel in like in retrospect. It was authentic.
1: Yeah, she's like you're get out.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Le- leave us to rot.
0: Yep. And I was in the same way where it's my perspective on that changed throughout the movie where I'm like, "Oh. Huh. Very interesting." And there are a lot of little moments. I would you do you plan on watching this again? Yes. Nice
1: i I plan to buy it when it comes out. Nice. I the Cinderella live action is one of my comfort films. Mm-hmm. And when I'm having a bad day, that is a surefire way to uh, just make me feel warm and and I love the line in it of of always have courage and be kind. Yeah, yeah, and I'm just I think that this will. It, it might not be as frequent of a visit, but I absolutely want to see it again. I want to see it not 3D because I think there yeah, are some scenes yeah. that will work better, not 3D.
0: I agree, yeah. So to wrap this up, uh, real quick, just like, what are what are some of your favorite scenes? What were just some of your favorite moments?
1: Hmm. <laughs> a big question. hmm My favorite moment. In the entire movie, was Maurice's song. Oh yeah, meeting Maurice, and that song tore me up. And he, that that's another cast that was almost perfect for me mm-hmm. was Maurice. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: he was played by Kevin Kline, for those who.
1: Know. Yeah, and and he brought and uh, in, in the cartoon he is. Crazy old Maurice. He is just a crazy dude. And in the live action, he is someone who thinks differently. Mm -hmm. He's Mm -hmm. smart and he is traumatized. He has lost things in his life. And he is still fighting and he is still hoping and he still loves his daughter with all of his heart. And it's such a fullness that he brings to that character. So that song, like, bought every second of it. I yeah. was I was Waterworks. <laughs> and so I think it's a strange answer, but I think that's probably my favorite moment. A uh, close second I think would be uh the the moment in the house in Paris.
0: Oh, where she learns her mother's origin. Mhm. Yeah. That's a scene. And that
1: <laughs> that moment of of the beast discovering some of her past and having kindness toward her about it. Yeah. And and understanding some of what makes Belle, Belle, and what makes her father, her father. And that just... That, that expansion of the story was so smart and so great. And I loved it. Hmm. What about you?
0: I definitely also very much liked those moments Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh just her interactions in the village uh were great where we where we really got to see the the scope of things and they just did a great job setting the scene i will say uh i i liked a moment that you didn't like as well i won't say you didn't like it but it uh when we talked about it you didn't seem super fond of it but the moment where uh the beast and Belle were outside walking around and Mm -hmm. and he was quoting or she was no, she was reading from a book mm-hmm. about um seeing things with new eyes and, and we just saw him kind of looking out and his eyes light up and he kinda of had this moment where we saw this this little glimpse of him to where he's hmm it's like he didn't realize how much he had changed over the previous couple of weeks until that moment. It's not that he changed in that moment, it's that he had been changing and it was in that moment where he realized, oh, I'm different. And and the way that I view the world is different. And I'm coming to realize that that this world is just as much about the way that I perceive it and I choose to perceive it as the way that it actually is. And I think he realized just how much he played into <laughs> like, like it's it's not that the castle was terrible and everything was bad and dark and gloomy, which I mean it kind of was. It was perpetual winter, but he also realized that it was also just his perspective that made the curse that much worse. And and really, if he had had a better perspective this whole time, the curse wouldn't have been that bad. It's just a different body. I, so I I really like the moment where he kind of realized that that this is bigger than him and. Also that he is a player and an important player in his own happiness and in his own sanity and in his own curse and his perception of whether or not the world was fair, that he that he was a player in that. So I liked that moment a lot.
1: I thought of a third one. Can I share a third one? Yeah, please. Because I I just remembered this and I think it was the smartest thing that they did for Belle.
0: Wow, okay.
1: They made her an engineer.
0: Yeah, she when, was the inventor, not her father. When
1: she, well, yeah, she's helping her father and she's understanding all that. But when she notices that the little girls are not getting to go to school and they have to do laundry all day, she builds a washing machine.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And teaches a girl to read and the town revolts against it and and it's terrible. But watching her build something and and th- dream it up and think like why on earth should we should we be doing laundry? Mm-hmm. Let's build it. And and I just love that she didn't just pull the girl aside to teach her to read. She didn't she didn't diminish the fact that that the work needs doing.
0: Yeah, she was getting things done. She she, was just...
1: she respected that and she created a solution. Yeah and it was so awesome. I felt so like empowered and just like, yeah, you go invent mm-hmm. a better world because it needs it.
0: Yeah. And I liked that, that that was Emma Watson's favorite things about the movie as well. And she was asked that in an interview about like, what do you what do you like about Belle and what they've done with Belle? And she mentioned that scene specifically. And it was clearly even though it went by really quickly in the movie because they were just trying to get to the whole beast thing Mm -hmm. uh it it was still done effectively and and you still noticed and i hope that uh, so many little boys and girls noticed as well That like you can you can be bookish you can be nerdy you can be all of these things and you and you can be pretty or not whatever and and you can just like use your mind and create things and that's celebrated and it should be celebrated and it might not always be (laughs) celebrated by the people you'd want it to be celebrated by and and you may face pushback from people with old ideas but like it's a cool thing I don't know it's just this next generation is going to grow up with a completely different set of messages being sent to them than what we had Mm -hmm. and I think about that a lot and and some people worry that that's going to make for like a softer generation but I'm just excited of of the intrepidness that's being been instilled in, in young people and the curiosity and, and this, the boldness, the boldness. Like we were told that if we worked hard, our dreams could, you know, if our, if we worked hard, we could, we could get what we were going for.
1: You can be anything. Yeah.
0: You can be anything. But this next generation is saying like, you can create anything you can, you can, this is your world to build. And they just have, um, I don't know. I I find it encouraging. And it it will come with its own set of problems. It always does. Every generation comes with its own set of problems. Uh, But this movie just just continued kind of my optimism for the future of like, I like that these are the stories being told. I like that these are the messages that are being perpetuated and prioritized in our society. And I feel like we, we need to keep doing that. And, and even the inclusion of gay characters, as, as small of a detail as that might be, I hope there is a little boy or a little girl watching that that is like, oh, there are other people like me. And they may not have realized that about themselves, or they may have never felt like that was ever represented. And I'm sorry if that gets some blowback from listeners who, you know, wanted to boycott the movie because of that. But I, in my mind, it's like, no, you were, this is an inclusive thing. And this is helping children find their place in this world. So yeah, good movie. <laughs>
1: I enjoyed it. I did. I promise I enjoyed it.
0: I know I gave you a lot of flack about <laughs> <I'm a laughs> you're critic. very, yeah. And you, and you had very valid feedback. Absolutely. Uh, so thank you so much for talking to me about this. Any, any closing statements or anything that for people who still haven't watched the movie and for some reason, still somehow listen to, this. to the
1: whole thing, and now has it all spoiled.
0: I I do that um, all the time. I listen to stuff about movies. I've yeah, all the time. Any it's, uh any words of encouragement you want to give them?
1: It's worth it. It's worth it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't have much other than <laughs> uh, check it out. Yeah. It's, it's a fine. It's a fine effort, by Disney. It took a lot of work and a lot of creativity to make what they made and I think it's worth it
0: yeah absolutely great well thanks you guys so much for tuning in to this special bonus episode of wordstruck I I was really excited for this (laughs) (laughs) and I think it's so fun to talk about not only yeah just a straight movie adapted from a movie no books involved here uh and it was it was definitely fun to kind of talk about that I've, I've never had to talk about a movie without comparing it to a book. So this was fun. Thank you so much, Alyssa.
1: Yeah. Um, so if you guys want to tell us what you thought, you can uh, tweet at us at wordstruckpod or email us uh, at uh, wordstruckpodcast at com <laughs> or directly at me, at Alyssa Small, or at Clark, at Clark Hodges. And we would love to hear what you thought. We would love to hear what your perfect cast was in this and your favorite moments and your biggest struggles were and uh, stay tuned next time for season three goodbye Bye. certain as the sun rising
0: in the east tale as old as time song as old as rhyme beauty and the peace. Tale as old as time, song as old as rhyme, beauty and the
1: beast. Off to the cupboard with you now, Chip. It's past your bedtime. Good night, love.